Olha, tantas coisas que nós queremos que muda né, nesse Brasil para todos Se a gente for colocar né, na ponta da caneta, é muita coisa para mudar. E, com certeza, o nosso Lula vai mudar, sim. Pode ser aos pouquinhos, mas ele vai mudar, com certeza. E essa mudança tem que ser, sim, e junto com o Lula vai ser mudado. E muitas coisas nesse Brasil, porque hoje está muito complicado... Né, a gente chegar em alguma questão no mercado, para a questão chegar numa loja, na questão da saúde, né, na educação, na questão aqui em Brasil, a questão da Cracolândia que está demais. Eu acho que o Lula vai estar tá junto com nós e vai dar uma força para nós e vai mudar esse Brasil, sim. Mais de 30 milhões de pessoas estão passando fome. Fomes, literalmente mesmo de sim ter condições de se alimentar, necessidade. Isso a gente não tinha. Um país que foi aí, é, ganhou elogios é, mundiais porque saiu, tirou da, da miséria milhares de pessoas. Então, isso é tudo reflexo de uma inflação alta. Hello, Carly. Hey, Jamar, how you doing, buddy? How are you, com comrade? It is good to see you. Good to see you, comrade. <laughs> good to see you. Always good to see you. <laughs> Always good to see you too, Carly. <laughs> we I got a good I had a little, talk today. I had a little headphone. Had a little headphone issued at the end. They sure one of the ear one of the ears literally fell off. So so oh no. So tonight we're gonna get to so tonight everybody you get the you get the Carly Webb cat ears tonight. That's what you get. You yeah. getting the you getting the heavy duty gamer DJ cat ears tonight. That's what you. I had get. to zoom in so they could see it. Yeah, that's what you're gonna get. But how are you doing? But Jamal, how are you going? How are you doing, comrade? It is good to see you, comrade. I am so great. Um, I am trying to just get back into the flow of things and stuff, and I am very, very, very excited for Brazil right now. I tell you that much. And there's just so much. Uh, that's that's going on and, and and seeing these testimonies that we just played is just absolutely amazing um and we're going to a second round we see right with, with the brazilian elections it's, well, it's actually really what, close well, well that's what happened because it was closer than a lot of people thought it would be like i mean it was it was closer than a lot of people thought at, at the end there was there was some talk as the last polls came in last week that that it looked like um, Luiz Ignacio Lula da Silva, better known as Lula, the former president of Brazil, elected in 2003 for, right. for, the, party, for the Partido Trabajadores, Trabajadores, the Workers' Party. Um, it, it was hoped that he would get over the 50 plus one because in, in Brazilian election law in that first round, if someone gets 50% plus one, it's over. If you can get a, mm. a majority of the votes in the first round, he fell a little bit under that. He was at about 48.4%. Where a lot of people are worried, and rightfully so, is the incumbent president, Jair Bolsonaro, also known mm. as the Trump of the tropics, came on at 43.2%. He polled about 6% higher than the last polls. So for the next 27 days between now and... And October 30th, when the runoff mm -hmm. election will occur, you've got it's close enough to where Bolsonaro can try and trump an election. 
And that's what Jair Bolsonaro and many people who support Jair Bolsonaro are going to try and do. They're going to try and say that the election's illegitimate. In a sense, they're going to try and signpost that no, this election's illegitimate. Legitimate, mm-hmm. the vote's not real. And in effect, try to do what Trump tried to do in 2020. He's going oh to try God. to steal the vote. That's what he's yeah. going to do. And 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 what what and I also learned that there was a a a candidate that was running that was pretending to be left wing, but then backed out, and Jair Bolsonaro was able to get his votes as well too. Well, well, that well for a lot of people, that's what happened. I mean, because really, here's the thing about the thing you have to understand about the first round of the elections is that for all intents and purposes, Brazil. Brazil really that Brazil is a nation that really for this for all intents and purposes does not have a left they have a left wing and a lot of that left wing or at least a lot of the center left went with the PT with the PT going for Lula but right. the harder era but the harder left like the party coming like party partido comunista do Brasil uh, a lot of the left parties like that, the more environmentalist parties, indigenous-oriented parties, they they kept going. They went it alone. Now, mm. the main now the two other parties that that polled significant voter numbers, those are both for the most part centrist. Don't be fooled; they're centrist. They mm-hmm. are for the most part very centrist. So, whatever happens to their vote, which is about nine ten percent of the electorate, they're going to go half and half. Some are going to go to Bolsonaro, some are going to go to Lula. But also, this was the lowest turnout for a Brazilian election since the since the late 80s as well. You only okay. had about a 55% turnout. And for an election in Brazil, that's a low turnout. That's a low. And why why is that? Do you do you do you think cuz I know in the United States is because we just don't trust in our system. <laughs> well, in some ways there's there's the distrust in the Brazilian system. Because mm. what you saw when Bolsonaro was elected in 2018, what you saw was the if you thought fake news was bad in the United States, fake news was mm. much worse in Brazil. You right. had, I mean, literally, you had open, you had open misinformation, false information on a level that we that would stupefy the mind here in the United States. And stupefy right. your mind in a lot of the world. And a lot of that was engineered by the forces that were for Bolsonaro. See, a lot of people have to, well, one thing that observers like say in the North, in the, in the global North have to understand about Brazil is that Jair Bolsonaro in many ways isn't just some phenomenon that came out of nowhere. He was number one, well bankrolled. I right. mean, literally you had whole television networks that were in the tank for Bolsonaro in many ways. The major, I mean, the captains of industry, the major industries, the major media combines in Brazil were dead, were in the tank for Bolsonaro. I mean, literally, a lot of the private broadcasters, even the main private broadcaster in the country, Rita Globo, very much for very much more slanted toward Bolsonaro. And Global is the largest media combine in the country. But some of the right. others, like Bandeirantes, Record, Record is practically owned by people that were heavily pro-Bolsonaro, which were evangelicals, 
evangelicals, hard right Catholics among the religious folks and those who really want the type of anarcho-capitalism that you saw in Brazil from mm -hmm. the time of the military dictatorship through the, the regime of, of Fernando Collor de Mello in the early 1990s. And a little bit later, we have to get into the historical context because- Yeah, let's definitely of, do it, yeah. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that Brazilian democracy is very young. Brazil only has had an electoral democracy in the country since 1985. Right. And that came with a lot of struggle and a lot of repression. Repression right. that was partially supported in some ways by the United States. I mean, there's a, there is a mass historical context in Latin America that you really have to have to have the background on to understand what you're seeing in Brazil. And there's some people who say, why should Americans care? If you are a person who wants to see workers' democracy in the Americas, if you want to see human rights protected in the Americas, you're watching this election. You are watching it. Because right in the end, because believe me, the powers that be that want Jair Bolsonaro, both the both in the north, both among the gringo, uh, the, among the gringo liberal and the gringo conservative. And we're we're going to mm -hmm. call it what it is. Yankee, Yankee is seriously looking at this election. And don't be fooled. Don't think because you have Joe Biden in office that Joe Biden would prefer necessarily a Lula victory. Oh, no. He there, he's, he's prepared to work with either one of them. Exactly. But, but if we had our druthers, Washington feels they are more served by Bolsonaro in power rather than Lula in power. And there's a there's a there's a lot of uh I wonder exactly what would be the relationship um behind closed doors because Bolsonaro automatically was on Trump's side and also said Trump's election uh the reason why he didn't get elected was because there was corruption. He was automatically calling out corruption that fueled January 6th um insurrection as well too. So I, I am very curious to how the Democrats perceive this. I've seen that there was a few Democrats that that are not like the corporate Democrats that were on Lula's side. But I'm seeing nothing but a lot of silence with uh, like the Bidens and the Hillary's on this. And I, I think it's because two things. Uh, Bolsonaro literally destroyed their economy. Um, and the poverty got worse, all these things. It got to the point that even the bourgeoisie in Brazil, there was some neutral. And some of the bourgeoisie. Yeah. Some yeah. Of them. So he was able I to think, piss off some of them. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing about Jair Bolsonaro. One of the things that Jair Bolsonaro tried to do is, was, in effect, one of the things he tried to do was privatize the national oil company, Petrobras. Mm -hmm. and, and, or he, he wanted to sell that off and totally privatize it. And that is something that even for the bourgeoisie in Brazil is kind of a hands-off. Mm. I mean, they I mean there there are those who say no, there are certain elements of Brazilian life that we don't necessarily that will semi-privatize but not completely privatize. There there are certain unwritten rules. The thing about Jair Bolsonaro that a lot of people have to understand is that Jair is that in the past, 
previous Brazilian regimes understand a basic rule, even in this in the post junta period, is that there are certain people that we keep the glut that we kind of keep our hands off of. There are certain <laughs> people we keep our hands off of. Petrobras right. is one of them. The beef producers are another. The I mean, those who work in the alternative fuel sector, they're a third. There are certain things that you keep your hands off of and you don't meddle too much with. Or, I mean, it's kind of one, and that's another, and also there's the matter of the Gini coefficient in Brazil. The hyper-rich, you know what? You can pass the social programs that you want, but don't touch our taxes. There are certain yeah. things you don't, if you if you try and reach for the taxes, they're going to do this. So, yeah. I mean, the, the families that run the corporations like the Globos, are going to are going to say no don't go too far with it and lula one thing about lula he knew how to straddle that line yeah he knew how to straddle yeah. it. and that's what made him as effective as he was a leader even with the things he was doing because the fact that because the raw facts were the the workers party did a lot it between lula and dilma rousseff mm -hmm. they were able to do a great deal as far as healthcare, as far as education, as far as race relations, as far as working with the indigenous peoples, as far right. as stopping the deforestation of, the, of Amazonia that went rampant in the late 80s or early 90s. I mean, right. you you had a range war in, in Amazonia right. and you had and Bolsonaro was threatening to bring that back. I mean, and that's I mean, the thing about that's one of the things that people also have to understand. The level of violence increased under Bolsonaro in the streets because basically, <laughs> excuse me there for a second. He, I mean, they have gun laws that are more liberal than Texas under Bolsonaro. Mm. And for a nation that already has a high crime rate and a great deal of violence prior to Bolsonaro, it only intensified. And then you had a climate, especially in Amazonia, where it was back to the late 80s and the early 90s again, where you mm. literally had ranchers fighting environmentalists in what was a de facto civil war in Amazonia. Mm. And you had that starting to fester and a possibility of coming back. So there's a but lot everybody of thought that there was good democracy. That's what they said over no, here. No, Brazil but, but had here's the thing, democracy. Though, the, the thing about Brazilian democracy is, and you see... <laughs> But that again shows the the one of the the perennial flaw of American foreign policy is that American right. foreign policy is based on short term goals and forgets history. I mean, and you have and to remember do that to our people yep. from twenty one from for twenty one years Brazil had no form of democracy. What Brazil had was a military dictatorship. What Brazil yep. had was people being snatched off the street. And that's what people don't, and that's and that's the part of the history that most that most of the news stories are not going into. The fact that, or at least the mainstream news sources, most Americans believe that it's going to be a democratic process to see the Bolsonaro Lula, but they're forgetting all this back history, back history that Bolsonaro supports. Remember, Jair Bolsonaro right. said when he was first elected that he supports he supported the military dictatorship and said he felt the dictatorship didn't go far enough. Which is and, why and he also was remember able to get Bolson Lula in prison. Yeah, that but well Lula in prison came before Bolsonaro. Lula, okay, 
let's walk through a little bit of the Brazilian history. Yeah, let's walk let's, through. Let's give yeah. people this. Okay, from 1964 to 1985, you had the, the junta, the military dictatorship in Brazil. Mm-hmm. It was a group of generals in the in the armed forces who basically ran the country. This really intensified in the 1970s, around the same time that you had all sorts of interventions and military coups in Latin America. The most prominent, of course, being Chile and, and Michel Bachelet, and rather, um, where you had Chile and you had our guy Pinochet, because you have to because, and the idea was the Pinochet idea spread across Latin America. It's it spread, and and it intensified in Brazil. It intensified the junta in Brazil. The same things that were that people know about that happened in Chile were happening in Brazil. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, in the from nineteen, especially from nineteen seventy to nineteen seventy six, you had two three hundred thousand people who were disappearedos disappeared. I mean, literally. And this is an aftermath after uh, Chile uh, had an American coup that that uh, yeah. got rid of um, uh, Alente. Well, here's the thing: Salvador Allende, the coup that that dropped him was in 1973. In Brazil, you started seeing this in yeah. the late 60s, in the early 70s, mm-hmm. but it really intensified after after Pinochet came to power, because they because Brazil was always afraid of. Brazil, like many, like many right-wing Latin American countries, were afraid of communism. Communism. Yeah. You heard that from Jair Bolsonaro said, "No socialismo, no communismo." That has always been the that has always been the battle cry of the right wing in Latin America. They're afraid of no in. They don't want an in day. Yeah. So you saw that level of repression that you saw in Chile and Peru. And Colombia, and what you still see in Colombia, you saw that in Brazil. In one of the largest, the the seventh largest nation in the world, and you're seeing this level, and you saw that level of repression. Then, then came, then in the late, then in the early 1980s, you saw a push for the a push for the end to the dictatorship. You saw a push for the end. That push came from many sectors of Brazilian society. People had enough. People were tired. You saw that, you even saw that in places like, like what's the one thing that people know Brazil for more than just about anything else? Soccer. You started seeing, you start, I mean, that was the age of Socrates and Corinthian democracy. And I'm a Brazil fan in soccer. (laughs) Well, well, I'm going to show you how much it changed. In 1970, probably the greatest World Cup team ever. The greatest mm-hmm. single World Cup team of Brazil in seventy. They went to they went to Mexico and just looked so dominant. It was it was Pele's last World Cup, and that team just looked so dominant. Yeah. By nineteen by nineteen set by the team that went to the World Cup in nineteen eighty two were people that were nineteen seventy. These were people that at least pay lip service to the junta. Nineteen eighty two. You have you have players who openly said. Yeah, players who openly said, "I won't play if they're if the if the dictatorship is still in place, I won't go." Wow. And you're talking about players like Tico, Socrates, mm-hmm. literally put his put his career up on the up, up on the referendum vote. That's because amazing. no, he's one of the great players of that '82 team, and right. he was given a major. He had a major transfer deal, a record transfer deal. 
to go over to Italy to play for Napoli in Italy. First division, Serie A. And, and he told the Brazilian people, I'll stay at Corinthians if you vote to get rid of the junta. Because there was a referendum in 1983. He said, you go, you vote no on the junta, I'll stay. And people mm. over, and that was, and you had a lot more of that. And you always had, I mean, when you, when football is again, when football in Brazil stands against the government, people are listening. They already yeah. had the musicians, the poets, <laughs> the creatives. But when you can get football, and that's one thing. The interesting thing is. Football is very much divided. There's a lot of there's a lot of people with big transfer fees that play in Europe who are pro Bolsonaro, and partially because Bolsonaro is not going to touch their money. Right. So there's there's a there's heavily so there's a heavy social content that's always gone into that. The creatives, musicians, poets, actors, performers, playwrights, they've always been pro pro democracy, even more so now. You look at some of the some of the biggest names in Brazilian entertainment are going all in to get to get rid of Bolsonaro because Bolsonaro because in so many ways Bolsonaro has really constrained probably one of the most colorful cultures in the world in these last 4 years but to get back to the history 1985 you had you had uh, you had democracy you had free elections in 85 88 then came the then came the corruption of the right wing when you let the corruption of the of the of what I call the anarcho-capitalist right come in. And that came in the form of a man named Fernando Color de Melo. Fernando Col oh, I read Color about that Melo. guy. Fernando Color de Melo in his first election, who did he run against? He ran against Lula. Yep. And basically, they fixed the election so Lula would lose. Hmm. In part because of, a, because of a debate, a televised debate that was done on Globo, mm -hmm. where literally... This debate was supposed to be live. Then at the last second, Globo, because they were so afraid of Lula, because remember, communism, socialism, they were so afraid of Lula that they said, we're not going to run this debate live. We're going to edit it. We're going to edit the debate and run it taped. And they edited the debate in such a way to make Lula sound more radical than he was. And that proved to be the difference in the election. And many years later, um, Two men who were the literally the host of Journal Nacional, the leading news program in Brazil, admitted they admitted that they did that, that they were that they had a hand as a part of this. The Fernando Color de Melo and his corruption basically destroyed the Brazilian economy. I mean, hyperinflation in the 1990s. You had the hyperinflation. You had racial strife, and you had again Amazonia. You literally had an open range war happening under government sanction you had key politicians that were literally feeding arms to ranchers if you've ever heard of an of a man named chico mendez look this man up he was literally assassinated by people from his government people tasked by his government to shut him up about burning the rainforest you had that level of violence in brazil then wow. you had reform governments after 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 um Fernando after Color de Melo who who the papers by the end of his turn by the end of his um his reign as president they were calling him Fernando Color Nixon because the corruption ran so deep. God there, damn. Then, then you had <laughs> then you had some reform governments. You had you had a, you had a more center right reform government with Jose Serra. You had Democratic Labor Party, which is really 
a center. It's a center-right-ish party. It's more centrist. That was Cito Gomez. That's the party that had Cito Gomez running. They won about 7%. And then in 2000, and then in 2003, you had Lula. Yep. You had Lula coming back, literally from the political dead, and Lula won in a walk. Yep. Lula won this thing. And then the party, the 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 workers' party were were in power for the next 14 years. But then first Lula stepped aside, stepped aside and brought in Dilma Rousseff. But here's the thing that happened. When Dilma Rousseff came in, the majority, the PT's level of strength in the legislature was hampered. You had enough center left and Can center right. Can you explain right. PT? Uh, oh, sure. The Party Trabajadores is the word is known as the Workers Party. It is a it is large. It is a socialist party. Mm-hmm. It's not quite, but but it's a socialist party that has many different wings to it. There's more of a democratic socialist wing. There is a democratic socialist wing. There's an environmentalist wing. There are decided mm-hmm. Marxist Leninist wings in the party as well. Mm-hmm. Even though Brazil has formal has a formal Brazilian Communist Party, which is a hard, hard Marxist Leninist party. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Workers Party is more of your I wouldn't say they're democratic socialists, they're a little bit more to the left of that, but they're more in line with with more recent traditional Latin American socialism. Right. That is that's where the part I mean, they're not going to go all they're not going to go all out. They're not going to be like Yeah, I just FMLN. wanted my viewers to know what that They're not going to be party. like say the FMLN in Nicaragua, which is right. a hard which is a hard Marxist Leninist party. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not going to be like the parties in say Chiapas. They're not going to be like the like some of what you're seeing in Mexico. Mm-hmm. But they are a party that's decidedly to the left, not Democratic Party USA center left, but left. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to do things like social programs and and Lula was a again, he had a gift for straddling that line. He yeah. knew how to be leftist and give the programs that people needed, like Bolsa Familia, which is a which was an immensely popular program and a very effective one. That mm-hmm. is the main program that that gave food aid directly to Brazilians, housing aid, rent relief, and health care. Mm-hmm. More Brazilians had access to quality health care than in any other presidency in the history of the country. Any no government in the history of the country was able to do what the what the PT did as far as getting people access to health care, access to literacy. And it hit all strata of society, because one thing about Brazil, one thing, another thing about Brazil, you have to realize it is a multicultural nation. And Brazil is a heavily multicultural nation. I'm talking literally, you've got Brazil. I mean, an example of it. What is the what is the largest the largest African the largest the nation with the highest concentration of African descended people in the world is Nigeria. Brazil is number two. Yeah. Bra- I mean, and Brazil is yeah. like a far away number two. A lot I mean, of people it, don't know that. Brazil they is don't. a now, and that's one thing. If you look at the electoral map, the blackest state in Brazil was also the state that turned out the heaviest for Lula. It was the, mm. I mean, Bahia, Bahia state, which is black Brazil, which is Afro African Brazilians. There are the majority. He won 70% of it. In that's fact, amazing. most of the North, most of the Northeast of Brazil, which is heavily, which is 
very black. I'm mean, I'm talking blackity black black went heavily mm. Lula. Though I mean a lot of black, a lot of mixed race people. I mean, uh that is one of the things I'm looking at the electoral map right now. And I'm gonna send mm -hmm. I'll send you a link to the map if you want to look at it yourself. The, the yeah, we'll pop it up on the screen. Yeah, the the places where the places where you want in fact, yeah, we'll hey, let's just pop this in real quick. We'll pop it in. Yeah, hit it on that. the uh, private chat. Yep. Yeah, we're gonna just pop that in on the screen. I'm gonna send it to you because because that's also the other part of this. There is a definite racial divide in between where who won where. And one of the things I'm seeing right out of the gate is the places where the places where it wasn't a matter that Lula did, it wasn't a place that, it was a matter that in the places that Lula needed to win big and some of them he didn't win enough. Amazon Amazonia was a big example of that. And there's also some voter suppression involved in that. But in that history, but that's another thing. The history, the history, if you scroll down, you're going to see where the, you're going to see the map. You're going to see okay. the map. And, and welcome to the Federated Republic of Brazil. <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> to the Federated Republic of Brazil. That heavy red up there, red is Lula, blue is, Bo is mostly Bolson is Bolsonaro. Now in the northeast, right there, that is the black. That is the blackest part of the country. Mm -hmm. That's where that's where that's where the African descended peoples are. That's where a lot of mixed race people are. That's where a lot of mixed race. That's where heavy majorities are. And as you can see, Lula won that, and right. Lula won that convincingly, convincingly. Seventy-four percent in Poly State. Bahia went sixty. We went nearly seventy. Rio Grande do Norte. Rio Grande do Norte, do Norte went went heavily, but if you start going out west into Amazonia, Lula won, but he didn't win. But if Lula could have won two or three more percent in Amazonia, we're not having this discussion right now. And then when so you it's start, Amazonia. Well, for Lula, but now here's mm -hmm. where I think Lula could end up doing could, could end up. This is where I think Bolsonaro's hurting because both sides really hurt. Bolsonaro did better than expected. But he's still, mm -hmm. but he's not out of the woods yet. Because look mm -hmm. at the two large, look at the cities. Look at the two states that ha uh, basically, the three states that basically house the city, the three states that house the cities. If you look south, Sao Paulo State, Sao Paulo State, Bolsonaro was wow. hoping to win, Bolsonaro was hoping to get 10 or 15 points on that, and he only got seven. And remember, only 55% voted in the first round. So mm -hmm. you get a higher voter turnout. You get a higher voter turnout, especially from those who feel they have no stake. And that is, and we, and that's one thing you would ask a minute ago. I want to get to that. And then you look at Rio de Janeiro. Rio mm -hmm. de Janeiro, Bolsonaro won that by eleven percent, but he's hoping to win it by fifteen or sixteen. Like he 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 won it by nearly twenty in twenty against Hadach in twenty in twenty eighteen. So. Mm. That's the electoral end of it. But you were asking about as far as. Earlier, you were talking about the turnout, right? And why people didn't turn out as well as they did. And the biggest reason is because a lot of Brazilians, especially those, a lot of Brazilians do not believe in their government. If you're hmm. poor, you're real. You 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 may have you may have watched enough of Reddit Glo of Journal Nacional, enough of Will and Bonner talking about how corrupt Lula is to not believe in Lula. But at the same time, you know Bolsonaro is no good. 
So that's one of the things that kind of depressed turnout is the fact that yeah. there's a lot of people that are not that do not believe in their government. The goddamn red scare that they put on Lula. Well, but the, now all of a sudden, scare, now also it's the red scare, but it's also the scare of car wash. And remember, <laughs> who initiated? No, car wash. Operation Car Wash was a major anti-corruption yeah. investigation. But here's the thing, right? That anti-corruption investigation, in many ways, was politically motivated. It was not motivated by actual corruption. It was mm -hmm. in the case of people of some people that were that were indicted in it and caught up in it. For example, Lula da Silva was was eventually cleared of any wrongdoing. Yep. Dilma Rousseff was accused of wrongdoing, and then when she went to court after they threw her out of office, they found that she didn't do anything. In fact, she was not even involved. Wow. But people were able to trump people were able to trump some things up. And that led to the caretaker government of Jose Tamer. And Jose Tamer, in many ways, was a right-wing caretaker. He was a right-wing caretaker for the most part. He was in, he was in the center-right party, the MDB, until you had the new election. And, that, oh, and you had a vacuum because no one believed, no one was going to vote for Tamer. No one was going to vote for Tamer. In fact, Tamer, when you are a Brazilian, a sitting Brazilian president and you lose in the first round, that's when you know your your approval ratings were in the toilet. <laughs> but that opened the door for Bolsonaro because at the time no one believed in Lula and there was no and really if Dilma Rousseff could have won run in 2018 against Bolsonaro, she probably would have beaten him. But mm -hmm. but um instead they went with they went with um they went with Haddad. And Haddad is mm -hmm. a senator from Sao Paulo State, former mayor, a good guy. But just completely out. But no one. But the the it was the Workers Party didn't didn't buy into him. And most of Brazil was like, we just want change because so many people got bought the snake oil of car wash. And car wash indicted a lot of people. I mean, car wash wiped out like something like over half of the of the Congress and the Senate in Brazil got wiped out because of car wash. Because the corruption went way deep. Yeah. But a lot of the people didn't realize until a, how deep the rabbit hole went didn't come out until after, until well after Bolsonaro was elected. And they realized that the majority of the people that got caught up in the corruption were in the war on the right, not the left. And a lot, and, and as further, um, as further investigations happened, they realized Bolsonaro was in bed with the very people doing the corruption. Isn't that so funny? Yes. <laughs> and in the meantime, <laughs> Bolsonaro is dismantling everything that the PT did for people. They dismantled, yeah. they dismantled the social safety net. They dismantled, they gave they gave the tax rates to the high to they gave the tax rates up and then and then just hit the poor over the head. And he human kicked out rights, the Cuban doctors. Yeah, human rights were human rights were thrown into the bin. Wow. Um, basically gave gave the the beef processors and the enter and the beef processors and the men and the energy interest the most free reign over Amazonia since the 1980s since since the burn since the original burning season in the 80s and the early 90s the ran the the range war I was talking about earlier and he's running on that still. 
and he's running on it, but no, and he's running on it, but that's how you get the energy speculators and, and the, the cattlemen, because one thing about Brazil, um, the world's largest supplier of beef right now is Brazil. I mean, when you go to Burger King or McDonald's and you eat a quarter pounder or a Whopper, chances are pretty good that beef came from Brazil. Right. Right. Now let's pivot. Um, Real quick on how influ how how important Brazil is, um, especially being the largest country in Latin America, they are still a part of BRICS nation. They never actually switched or even tried to join NATO, which is surprising of Bolsonaro. Well, here's the um, thing about well, here's the thing about BRICS. BRICS is not an alliance. Mm-hmm. BRICS is a BRICS is is truly is not an alliance for example brazil is not necessarily doing deal. brazil is not doing a deal with china they're not doing deals with india mm-hmm. brick is not a brick is a name for these emerging countries mm-hmm. but in many ways what brazil wants to do is build a concertation what what bolsonaro is trying to do along with colombia and in some ways, along with Argentina, when it turned right, even though Argentina is turning back to left, and with Chile, when you had Sebastian Piñera in charge, and it was turning to and it was turning to the right, they wanted mm-hmm. like-minded neo Pinochet leadership as a as a buffer and a competitor to Venezuela, because people are afraid mm. of. There are two cities people are afraid of: Caracas and Havana. Yep, because whenever. <laughs> You know you're a right winger in Latin America when you're always talking about don't make don't turn our country into Cuba and Bolsonaro ran on that yeah <laughs> but yeah exactly but but that's one thing that people like Jair Bolsonaro say often again you hear every other when you talk about foreign policy every other word is coming I don't know a lot of Portuguese but I know when he's talking about communismo in Venezuela because he says it a lot and mm. that is one thing that Brazil. Bolsonaro ran on that fear, fear of Chavismo, fear mm-hmm. of fear of Venezuela, fear of Bolivarianism. And what you had under, and that's one thing, under Lula, you had the you had the development of the Mercosur block, mm-hmm. which was a mutual economic block of like countries. You had Lula, you had the Venezuelan Chavez, Lula. Castro, Castro in Cuba, now Miguel Canal in Cuba, and Michelle Bachelet in Chile. You had a, and later um, you had uh, Christina Kirchner, Christina Kirchner in Argentina. You had a like, you had a like-minded coalition of center-left to mainstream left to leftist countries that were coming together and say, let's build a Latin America for Latin America, for our people, our countries, away from Yankee. Mm-hmm. You started. And this seeing, is what Lula was was talking about in one of his last speeches. He wants to bring that back, and he also wants to strengthen yes. BRICS. But yeah, but that's the thing. He want, but you see, Lula wants to do. Lula wants to do it in a manner by where, by where there is a respect for where Latin America, first and foremost, all these nations come together and they stand on their and they stand on their own too. As a mm-hmm. counterweight to, in a sense, where they can have an independence, where they can look at Washington and say, "You're welcome to do business here, but you will not control us." Oh, that's going to and scare that's, the Democrats. Yeah, and that, that, that scares anyone. <laughs> but you have to understand, this is a bio. 
The concept of the Monroe Doctrine is bipartisan. It has been American foreign oh, policy toward Latin America for almost 200 years. Right. This is a 200-year right. project for the United for for the United States. And mm -hmm. to have a country that's and one thing about again, Lula was able to straddle that fence and thread that needle in a lot of ways to where Lula could go to Washington and say, "We want to work with you, but we will not but but Brasilia will make decisions for Brasilia. We will make independent. The, the decisions of, for Brazil will first and foremost be made in Brasilia, Washington. Mm -hmm. And Lula had the wherewithal and the means and the backup among the miracle Sir Black to make that stick. And a lot, and that, that scares official Washington. And Washington yep. is like, and again, the Brazil was able to get a lot done in part because of who was running the boat in Washington. Right. Obama was the oh, president Obama for all his faults understood that we will not, we can't control this block. So we better find a way to work with them. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump, Donald Trump was glad, was very glad that Bolsonaro got that because Bolsonaro was like, we're not going to be a part of this block. Yeah. We will stand we will Yankee come here, Yankee come back instead of Yankee go home was his deal. But now you have Lula and, and now you have Lula working with an American president who can be turned, who an American president who can be turned in an opposite direction, who may, who may see Lula if Lula pushes too far as somebody like Daniel Ortega. And that yeah, is Biden is just ready to just call everybody awful and evil and <laughs> well, well the it. thing is, well, the biggest thing is the biggest reason why you had American support for Bolsonaro is that Bolsonaro was willing to run lockstep with Plan Colombia against mm -hmm. Venezuela mm -hmm. and, and was willing to be the big stick in Latin America to ride down to call for the continuing ride down on Cuba. Lula's not gonna do the same. No, One of the not. things that Lula has said on the stump is he will call for an end of the embargo. And that is amazing. That's amazing. He will call for an end of the embargo. Because now, but that's another thing as well that you, that why this election is important because you right now have a situation in Latin America where Latin America is going left, is coming hard left. Hard left, you yeah. Almost country, every country. I mean, and and you're starting to see it more and more. These countries are starting to real. You're starting to see in the countries that are still in the American in the American axis in 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 the Americas. You're starting to see switchover of Guatemala. You're seeing more El Salvador, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, mm -hmm. who hasn't forgotten the coup that the coup that Obama and Hillary Clinton ran on them. Never Mind forget you. that. Never forget. Even Colombia. Is starting to go left, and then the places where you thought that that um, that imper that Yankee imperialism won, like Bolivia, which mm -hmm. where it got thrown out, where they've tried, where literally the United States has tried to do everything to cripple Venezuela. And Venezuela, is, and Venezuela is Cuba part two. You've tried to do mm -hmm. everything to stamp out bullet the Bolivarian Revolution, and it refuses to die. Just like Cuba still has refused to die. Yeah. And, it, and you have to strengthen, no matter how much Washington has tried to strangle Cuba. But now you've got more and more of these countries that are calling it out. Now, imagine if, if next year you're at the United Nations 
and Lula da Silva calls for the end of the embargo. Mm. And is able to get, say, a call for the end of the embargo. I mean, mm. that's a that's a voice you cannot ignore. No, you can't. That's a and voice everybody, that is a lot more difficult to ignore. Everybody knows him. Every progressive here, here in America knows him. And yeah. they are on good standing. They do not see him as a Fidel Castro. They don't see him as a Maduro. They see him as a very progressive man that was thrown mm-hmm. in prison for fucked up reasons. So when if he says in the Cuban embargo, that's when the liberals might actually pay attention. <laughs> well, but you see, here's the but but that's the whole other thing about this election as well, is that once again, the one thing that we have to understand here is there's the other side of the equation. That's what Bolsonaro is. What does Bolsonaro hold? And one thing he does hold is a military that will, he holds a lot of military yeah. command that will work with him if he, if it's close. So you think he could do a coup, even though he doesn't have that many backers that he did before? He's got, well, he's got the backers in the places where a coup can, where he could possibly steal an election or call it into account. Mm-hmm. And he has enough weight in the judiciary in Brazil to where if it's close and he loses, he can just refuse to leave. There's the possibility. Now, the other side of that is, what are the stakes if he does? And one of the right. stakes will be open violence in the streets. Yeah. You're going to see, you're going to, you, you're going to see January 6th on crack with a crystal meth chaser. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's so much of Brazilian society that don't want to dance to this music. And people have to understand that as scary this is, he literally has until January. If Lula wins, he has until January to do something this violent, to call and, for something this violent. And one thing he and now and one thing is people have called for is one reason. I mean, remember, he's liberalized gun laws in Brazil to the point where literally anybody can get one. Oh, Literally, God. anybody can get a handgun. Anybody can get weapons in Brazil. Anybody can get a handgun. Now, now God. I'm just now I'm going to say this full disclosure. I'm a foot washing, Bible believing, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior Christian. I will say that openly. Mm-hmm. But if there's one thing I can't stand, it's the evangelicals. And what is Jair <laughs> Bolsonaro? He is a hardcore fire and brimstone evangelical. Or as I like to call him evangelical. <laughs> These people, these these people, no, but the thing is, though, these people in Brazil, plus one thing about Brazil, it's one of the largest Roman Catholic countries in the world, and it is a staunchly conservative Catholic country. And there's Nazis in Brazil. Like, what? Really? Well, well, some people think Bolsonaro is, but but one thing, (laughs) but one thing about what you're seeing, and plus the fact that Bolsonaro is a former military man, he's got he's got military leadership around him. And in his inner circle, you have the you have the propensity for violence. You have the propensity for wanton violence. And and also given the the past history of official state-sponsored repression in the country and repression currently in the country. I mean, the policia, the policia militar, the policia federal, you have open state-sponsored violence, and it still happens. Mm. As Ask LGBTQ Brazilians how open state sponsor. Ask anybody who lives in a favela who's mm-hmm. been on the wrong end of a raid how violent the official organs of law enforcement in the state and the military in the state can be. 
and it's only right. intensified under Bolsonaro, you have uh, you have a you have the possibility for a high level of violence. You already had a violence. You already had a good deal of violence in this election campaign. And over this next 28 days, it could get worse. Mm -hmm. And you have and and there's nothing and nothing brings out the violence in people more than people who believe they're acting in the name of God. And people who yep. believe that they're I mean, if you look in this country. Yeah. Look in the, look in this look at some of the of the white nationalist Christian dominionist violence you're starting to see in the United States. Right. It's all it's in Brazil. And it could and it could rear its head in an ugly way if they're already trying to say that the voting machines have been have been hacked beyond recognition. Now, just a note about Brazil. Brazil has been using computerized voting systems in their country since 1990. I didn't even know that. I remember now, we talked on the phone and you told me that. I was so shocked. No, the voting <laughs> machines have been used in Brazil since 1990. This isn't new in Brazil. This has been 30 years. Mm -hmm. And and every international election monitor, the I mean, when let me put it this way, the people that made the voting machines in a lot of the world, they went to Brazil to learn how to do it. Mm. So and they basically to, learned how to be corrupt. Well, you really trust that? Well, let me put it this way. Brazil's had a number of elections and each one have come up bulletproof. Mm. They've come up bulletproof. The only the only way that you could stop the only way that you could the way the ways that you could hack them. I mean, they've had some of the most secure elections in the world. The way that elections got fixed in Brazil is by having is you fix it before people go to the voting go to the voting um. booth. I.e., i.e., you get the major the major newspapers and the media combines, which are all monopolistic in in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, 85, 80% of what you read, see, and hear in Brazil is one way controlled by Globo. You own them, you own, in a lot of ways, you own the country. And that has been a lot of, of what the early of democracy in Brazil was. The thing mm -hmm. is, though, the mass, what got the PT over against that was that the mass participation was so huge. 2002, literally, Everyone who, even people who thought they didn't have a voice in the system, indigenous people got involved, got involved. Mm. The young people especially got involved. The people who thought the, the folks in the, favela, in the favelas voted in droves. That's how the PT got to power. They put people power in the streets everywhere. And that's what led to that. And that's what it's going to take for Lula to win. They got to energize that people power. Yeah. Because they have that's to energize the people power. And Bolsonaro knows it too. What Bolsonaro is going to try and do is intimidate that people power the way he's tried to do for four years. Right. The way he, I mean, Bol, Bolsonaro came in to power immediately looking to intimidate. Intimidating, intimidating, especially the blacks, the poor, the indigenous, and the queer. Yeah. He went after Now we're coming on to, we're coming on to our, to the end since we only have an hour. I wanted to um, bring up, we, as we already talked about Venezuela, all of a sudden, America, since we need oil, have you noticed how they've been so nice to Caracas? They actually did like a, a prisoner swap. You know, they, they said they've been talking with officials every single day. 
Juan Guaido was the president, right? But they never had to go to Juan Guaido. <laughs> they tried to kill Maduro last year. I just want y'all to know that. They tried they, to they kill They tried to kill him in, back in they tried to come back in they tried to use a drone to kill him back in 28 back in like 2019. They tried to use a drone which yeah. I see it like this if the United States is really serious about better relations with with Venezuela, I'll tell you what the United States can do. There is a man who used to be a high official in the United States. His name is Mike Pompeo. He's the former Secretary of State. Oh. President Biden, if you really want to believe in better relations, you send Mr. Pompeo to Venezuela and you tell him, no, you have to answer to Venezuelan justice because you have been a, you have been accused to being complicit in a plot to kill a sovereign leader of a, another, a leader of a sovereign country. Right. And Venezuela, by rights, has the rights to call for him. Yep, as they should. As they I say like this: you really want, you really want some real, you really want to make real, have some real relations. Tell him no. You go over there and face justice. You go over yeah. there. You go over there. You get a trial and you stand on the merit because mm -hmm. that was engineered. That was engineered by the CIA and there's a lot of receipts. A lot of receipts. If you really want to do, if you really want better, if you really want to sell me on relations, I'll tell you what you do. No, President Biden, go to Caracas. Mm. Vice President Kamala Harris, President Biden, go to Caracas and you talk to Maduro. You talk to him. Right. Actually, actually, go to Caracas and talk to him. There is and this there bothers been, me. There is no reason for there is no reason for the continued American antagonism. Antagonism toward the toward the pays, the the PSUVA, who were the vote the people's choice in elections mm -hmm. that were decided free and fair by every combine. That's the thing now. That's the thing that gets me. Every every time the Bolivarians win, it's illegitimate, 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 illegitimate. And yeah. Juan never even runs for president. I mean. Everyone has to be decolonized, but like we're talking about Brazil for, for instance, that the whole establishment of a church power is to uphold colonialism in, in mm -hmm. Brazil. So and, they, it's, so, and it's not yeah, the old church, it's not just the old church power. Right. Uh, it's not the old Catholic dominated church power, which is right. a staple of Brazilian life and, and has been for and has been for three, four, five hundred years. Mm -hmm. Mind you, Brazil as a nation has been around has been around about 530 years. Mm -hmm. And the church has been a part of that colonization process and the and the enslavement process. I mean, the things that happened in the United States happened in Brazil. Right. The the decimation of the the decimation of indigenous people, slavery happened there. I mean, that's one right. and that's another thing. People People have to realize that slavery was just not a, a phenomenon of the American South. It is a phenomenon of all of the Americans. Right. So you've had all that. And now you have the new colonization, which is this American built, big money, big money, American Christian dominionist evangelicalism that they have mm. been trying to spread around the world. And now you have it in the form of basically you have a Liberty University cheerleader as president of Brazil for all intents and purposes. That's who <laughs> Jair Bolsonaro is. He's mm -hmm. very far. 
I see a lot of of the Ayatollah Jerry Falwell in him. Mm, mm. And yes, that's well, why, Carly. That's always been my nickname for Jerry Falwell. But you see a lot of American <laughs> evangelism and Christian dominionism and that militarism and that stance on imperialism, that Republican Jesus complex. Mm -hmm. You see that in Jair Bolsonaro. Yeah. Uh, well, Carly, I want to thank you so much for coming on. This is our time right here. And again, love to have you back on again in the near future. This well, is a very educational discussion that we had and i hope a lot of people would enjoy this um and, and this is why this is what makes the brazil election so important right now and why people are paying attention because the world's changing the world's changing and democracies democracies countries like brazil with such a large economy and such a large country um whatever happens in these in, in this next few months it's yeah, going to be but, very big. But Jamar, quick. See, yeah. that's one thing Americans have got to realize, especially, and especially those of us that are looking at revolutionary means. We have to understand that, the, that we have to act in the struggle locally, but we have to think globally in the struggle, which means whenever you have elections around the world, they count. And even more so now because in a lot of these countries, a lot of these countries have the things that we, the things that keep the world running. A good example is they don't call the Amazon rainforest the lungs of the world for nothing. Right. Because right now you burn those down, you truly burn up the world. And with climate change hitting the way that it's hitting, the working class of the world are the people that are going to get the brunt of this. Remember, the 1% class, the bourgeois, the, the bourgeoisie and the petty bourgeoisie, they're trying to build rocket ships to leave. Yeah. They think that they can build their own little rocket ship and leave to planet B. There is no planet B, but they're going to try like hell to find it. <laughs> and that is the reason why all these, all these countries around the world, especially in what we call the so-called global south, these mm -hmm. votes, these elections, these democratic processes are critical to the survival of the proletariat around the world. We need to be looking at those even as we shore up our democratic processes and our and our people first and our working class and our proletariats here at home. We have to we have to think globally as we're acting locally. That is yep. where the revolution is because it's not just it's not just a revolution that has to be in one place. It's got to be global. But it has to yeah. start with us where we are. Yep. Oh, God. So facts. So facts. Thank you so much for coming on, Carly. Thank you for having and, me. And I hope you have a really good night. And I'll see you later. And everyone else, have a really good night as well, too. A better world is possible if you're willing to fight for it. <laughs> Let me put my fist up, too. <laughs> Period, yeah. I'm a black, brown, and indigenous. Gotta holla if you really feeling this. Gotta holla if you really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holla if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna live in abundance. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna. I gotta keep it a hundred. We gotta stop all the stunting. You know we coming from nothing. Yo, you talking about money, you bluffing. We gotta do something different. We gotta change how we live in. We gotta do better for women. We gotta do better for children.
children. We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish or Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand against the system, or else you're just another villain.